Hello everyone, welcome to episode 709 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. This season we're chatting with the Cold Wave 7 performers taking place in New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles in September. Head to coldwaves.net for the full lineup and ticket links, which include pre-shows, post-shows, and extremely limited VIP packages. This week we're chatting with pre-show performer Leslie Rankin. Performing Wednesday, September 12th in New York, Thursday, September 20th in Chicago, and Wednesday, September 26th in Los Angeles. This is Ruby.
Silverfish started in 1988, all those years ago, Christ, 30 years ago. But um, And then our first US tour was opening up for Pigface. And then we got to know the guys, and I got to know Martin and, and Raven and everybody and Chris. And then I started, when they came to London, went to the studio and ended up doing a couple of tracks with them. And when I was out in Chicago, I did a couple of tracks. Can't really even remember how many I've done now. But um, so that was kind of 91, 92. And then we kind of lost touch after that. I left Silverfish in, in 93 and I decided I wanted to do my own thing, which became Ruby. And I wanted something that was a bit darker and not quite so hard and a bit more kind of textural and melodic and stuff. So that's eventually, that's what Ruby became really and I did that until about about 2000 I suppose at which point I um, ditched music completely to from Seattle to the countryside in Scotland and I've been there ever since burying my head in the sand <laughs> Try, trying to avoid the rest of the world and then I started making music again I didn't make music for like 12 years 13 years or something and I started making music again maybe maybe 2012 I started again and then I, I, I made a, an album called Waiting for Light, which was released in 2014. And I'm now working on the, the next one. Take me through um, Ruby's career. In the 90s, we put out two albums. I was working with Mark Walk, who I believe now works with Olga. So I put out two full albums and uh, a bunch of remixes and APs and stuff like that and did some other tracks like that and that was between 95 and 2000 I think I think the last album came out in 2001 from that era and then when I as I say I've done another one since so in the in the last 20 years I've released a total of three albums <laughs> which I think is a fine work ethic I don't understand the bands that just crank things out every two years or so I can't imagine having that much to say uh, by the time it got to like 2000, I had been doing music for for 20 years, I think, what, 15 years, something like that. I was kind of sick of it. I was kind of burnt out, you know. And it, you're right. You, you run out of something to say. And if you don't have something to say, just shut up. Go do something else for a while. Was there something in particular that made you stop doing music? I'd spent most of the 90s touring. And and it would just been tour album, tour album, tour album. And also I was getting to the point where I, it was time to have a kid. And I wanted to come back to Scotland and have a kid. And so that's what I did. And I'm a kind of person, like, if I'm focused on something, then I'm all into it. And when, I, when the focus goes off that thing, it's totally ditched. So I totally ditched music and was just focused on focusing on having a home and a kid. What was it 12 years later that, that made you say, okay, I think I'm ready now? I needed another kind of creative outlet because I really wasn't doing anything. I wasn't painting pictures and I wasn't... Because usually artwork is just something... Like visual artwork is usually something I do to, for an album cover or a single cover or something, you know? I don't usually do it just for, just for the hell of it. I really didn't have any kind of creative outlet and I, I really missed that and especially missed singing because I love singing and writing songs and stuff. So so when I started writing songs again, it was like just a fountain of stuff coming out, you know? I could hardly get anything else done because I was constantly scribbling ideas on the backs of envelopes and stuff, you know? 
phonetics and, and like drum patterns and stuff like that. You know. Did you feel like when Waiting for Light came out that you were different or, or you were changed as a person? Or did you feel like it, it just came out exactly the same as it did back in the 90s? No, I think every album's different. I feel different every album. You know, I know that there's a passage of time and I feel the passage of time, both in terms of my own wisdom or stupidity or whatever. And physically and emotionally, I always feel like I've gone along the road a bit. It always feels different, and making it was always different as well. The, like um, Salt Peter and, and Short Staffed were were made with Mark Walk doing pretty much all of the production, you know. So and then Waiting for Light, I started doing doing it, you know, and and I did probably most of the production. Got up to a point, and then I started working with my brother. One thing that I've always wanted to do is work with him because he's he's a brilliant producer. And a, a musician and stuff, and he knows me really well, and we don't fight or anything, you know. So it's really easy. So um, the the process of making the album was different. I'm sure putting out an album in 2014 was a lot different than putting out an album in 2000. Uh, oh, I totally. I mean, putting out. I mean, I didn't have a label, you know. I, and I, well, I wasn't interested, and in, I don't. I don't know if I probably am now interested in, in having a label, but at that time, certainly not. And also, I was working. I mean, I've always worked. On my own, even in the early days of when we were working on Salt Peter, I would have my own computer set up and doing my own thing in private somewhere, you know. Or Mark would leave the studio and leave leave the recording of the vocals and 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 various other things to me. We hadn't used a tape since 1992, I don't think, and it's always been digitally and in private, not in a kind of studio situation, really. So, I mean, that hadn't changed much because I'm waiting for light. I recorded up in the spare bedroom on a laptop kind of thing, you know. Uh, I think in terms of maturity, it's probably different. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't seem to be maturing quite as much as I should, maybe. <laughs> for Waiting for Life, did your experience as a mother, did, did you feel like that came out thematically at all? Oh, I definitely. I mean, there's definitely some songs that are written purely about being a mother in particular a song called Fireweed that I wrote about my son you know so I think I mean there's maybe a depth of emotion there's definitely a depth of emotion that's there that wasn't in the first two albums and they're, and they're, I suppose the, the subject matter is very personal and that there's a kind of mel melancholia as well Especially in this new stuff that I'm working on, I really need need to brighten myself up a bit because it's bloody depressing. <laughs> Tell me a little more about this. Are you still in the early stages? Do you think you're going to have something out, you know, sometime in the next year or so? Yeah, probably. I've been saying this for two years, though. People keep saying to me, "When's the next album? Are you how, how's the album going? How's the album going? And how how is it going to be until you finish it?" And I'll keep saying, "Oh yeah, like a month, maybe a couple of months." You know, I've been saying this for two years. <laughs> so you're not forced into a studio you don't have to knock something out but then it also you know people that <laughs> that are waiting for it can could just go on forever sometimes i and well i'm waiting for it as well I'm, I'm desperate to get this bloody thing finished but the thing is that that i'm learning so much and developing so much more as a producer you know, than I ever was before and learning so much more about equipment and stuff that I never knew about before. So, and also um, 
the songs are evolving. Everything's evolving. So, I mean, I keep kind of chucking things away and then, you know, like all songs that I started writing a couple of years ago have just been left on the shelf and new ones are coming out now. And the, so the whole shape of the album is is evolving all the time. And also it's a, it's a part-time thing for me just now. I've got a, a life beyond music that needs to be dealt with. But I'm loving it more than ever before. It's the, the being able to express yourself through instrumentation and not just singing or little bits of samples and stuff is immensely rewarding. I mean, even the, the actual physicality of singing, remember, and, and even having dreams, I would remember the passage of the air through my my throat and out and the feeling of the mic mesh of the mic on my on my lip and stuff you know and these kind of physicalities of things that I was really missing the physicality of singing and also the expressiveness because I think that's really how I communicate with the world I'm not very good at communicating with people in in like normal ways I suppose so that was always how I communicated with the world was singing
Bring it all, uh, over to Cold Waves this September. Is this is this a one-off performance for you, or or is there a, a tour being set up around it? Yeah, well, there's a few little dates being set up in between the Cold Waves ones because I'm playing the, the LA, New York, and Chicago, so we're we're putting in a few little dates uh, in and around them. And I think Toronto, I'm going to uh, work with some friends who are run an organization that that um make like uh, VR experiences and games and stuff like that. So I'm going to do a couple of days work with them and, and a show with them, I think. And I think there's a, a one in Montreal booked and um, maybe Austin and uh, San Francisco, I think. So it's a wee tour. I'm looking forward to the Cold Waves one. Though I hope I'm going to be able to stick around a bit because I'm playing the pre opening parties which are the day before each festival starts so i'm hoping i'm going to i definitely want to see cock sure i haven't and, and ogre i'd love to see ogre i haven't seen any of those guys for like 20 years so i'm kind of desperate to see them people love coming out you know on day one for the opening show and staying the whole time and, and seeing everyone i always, i always call it summer industrial camp you know because it's like i'm in philly so i get to see most of these people just for a couple days, you know, every year. And it's nice to, to see everyone and get to experience all this mu- music, so. It must have a really great vibe to it, I would, I would imagine. You know, everybody's, everybody's like big friends, aren't they? It seems like every year that Jason's able to fill in more and more holes from, you know, what, what was going on in the 90s. And I think Ruby fits in really nicely with that. So I'm glad that you're going to be around. Yeah, so, so am I, because I've been trying to do it for, for like three years and I've always had something else that is taking up my time and not be able to do it for some reason or another so it's really great at long last to be able to be a part of it and then join in the party
On this episode, you heard Chickasaw by Pigface, Paraffin by Ruby, and the Mark Walk mix of Tiny Meat. Ruby can be found at facebook.com slash Ruby Leslie Rankin. Our opening music is Madmaker by Acumen Nation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Join us next week as we chat with Masa Zargaran from Omniflex. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician, and soundman Jamie Duffy. Here's Jamie's bandmate Ethan Novak sharing his memories of recording at Chicago Tracks with Jamie. There would be times when like, we hadn't finished something or gotten something right and Jamie would be doing a session with another band or something and be like, hey, these guys canceled. Come over here right now and bring this, 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 and this. So there's us like walking down the street with an amp and a guitar and you know, keyboard and all this other shit and some cables and everything's falling out. We're like, hey, we're making ourselves a record. Shut the fuck up. But it was a gas, man. It was, it was a whole lot of fun. This, uh, this rapper villain who was like a Chicago rapper was like in, in and out for some of these sessions too. So we'd run into him. Um, it was just, a, it was a lot of fun because we got along with the staff at Tracks really well because Jamie knew all of them. So it was, a, it was kind of a family vibe. Like our, we were amongst friends and we never felt like we weren't in a home environment.